Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Thank God for the choir and the band. Can we give God praise for them right now? We are at the beginning of the holiday season that I love the most. And holiday means a lot of things to a lot of, lot, lot of people. Uh, some of the things are up and some of the things are down. What it means for me, one of the things that this holiday season means for me, even though we're coming out of a deep spiritual moment, is that I'll be playing in a turkey bowl uh, on, the, on uh, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. to 11 uh, PM. A turkey bowl is where different members of the church get together and they play a flag football game. The intent of this flag football game is to win. Um, our family has already declared that we will win. Putty family, they're, they're big. They're not as athletic as the Lowe family and God bless. Uh, just want to say that right there. It's, it's a sad truth, you know, so God bless. Um, it is an oppor- opportunity uh, for many injuries. Uh, we do pray against them. However, your family may get injured. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, it's also the season where um, people typically come to me and they begin to tease me about the Detroit Lions um, because they typically lose, you know, on Thanksgiving. But they are winning team this year. And I want to declare for all of the Lions fans, redemption is on the way this Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. You're going to get a victory. I feel it. I feel it right now. Come on, Pastor Prophet, uh, Pastor Jim, get it, get an amen on that. Now, <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of things that it means to a lot of different people. Uh, my wife just came out with a song called Thankful. I don't know if you've heard it, but I, I'm really grateful for it. You know, go through the video montage and all you, you begin to see all these pictures and all these things that remind you of all the things that you love and the feeling is great. And while the feeling of Thanksgiving and the time and all the celebration may be good for you, it's not always a good thing for everybody. In fact, this is a time of great sadness and loneliness for some people and people sitting right next to you, behind you or close to you might not even have a plan for this particular holiday. Now, I know that you think everyone has one. You would be surprised who will sit at home alone and only be reminded that they had no table to go to. You know, everyone wants to be invited. Now, and when you get to the table, sometimes the table is not a place of peace. It's in fact, it's a place of conflict. I was with some of the Native American uh, members of our church a couple of days ago, and we were talking about this holiday, and I was talking about how I was gonna celebrate it, and, they, and, and immediately they were like, well, I'm mad. My people did, they, they, they weren't celebrating, they were serving the table. I mean, it went into a whole long thing. Now, I don't know what it means to you. And once you hear something like that, you almost feel paralyzed. Like, I don't want to celebrate in front of them. You know, it could, it, it could go left. And so what we become is a, is a divided people, a divided nation. And even what's intended to be good to recover something bad is somehow what we can't enjoy it. So I'm not here to proclaim to you whether or not you should really celebrate deeply and really enjoy and and, and ignore whatever pain somebody has. I'm just trying to tell you that maybe the intent 
of bringing two groups that were unreconciled and seemingly irreconcilable together is a good concept, it's a God concept. And even though there's brokenness on all sides and pain on all sides, didn't mean that all sides shouldn't come together and do something. And while in this particular time, um, pastors are saying that the most difficult challenge that they're facing right now is disunity within the church. And the divide that happens behind the eyes of a person that say, I'm all right, but I'm really not all right. And, and, and today, perhaps, I want to look at the scripture and look at the condition of the church at a particular time, and maybe they're in the same condition we are, but there's an answer, and it's the table, but it's the Lord's. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and let's start reading together. The first uh, service did not do good of reading together, so please read. They, they did. They were horrible. I, could, I was speechless. It was almost as if I wanted to tell them, now, do y'all read y'all Bible at home? Now, I don't want to have to say that about you guys. So here we go. Let's read. Let's read just a couple of verses and then I will jump right into verse 17 to verse 19. Ready? Read. I want to say something good about the meal y'all been having, the fellowship you have been having. Seemed good for people to get together, but when y'all get together, I got nothing good to say because the condition is worse than better. I thought when we come together, we're better together, but we're not better together. We're actually worse when we come together, and I don't like it. And instead of praising you, I'm getting on you. Read. Division seems to be the thing that dominates the scene when people come together and Christ is not the focus. When Christ is the focus, it can combat division. When Christ is not the focus, the only thing you have is your opinion. Your way of thinking, your way of doing things, your favorite people and your favorite leader. The Bible says some say I'm a Paul, some say I'm a Paulus, some say I'm a Christ. But because I pick out my favorites when I'm not focused on him. I, put, I pick out my favorite ideology, the one that leans into what I want. And it doesn't matter where God sits on the issue. Here's where I sit on the issue. And they were in a community that had conflated religious living with, with Christian living. And, 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 and all of it has come together in a, in a love feast, but instead of it being a love feast, it's a divided table. Now, that sounds dysfunctional to me, but yet the table was convened. Something happens where we get used to posturing the right thing with one another, but living a different thing in our heart, but your heart will always leak out. You know how it is when you go to the dinner and, 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 and you're there and you hear something that you don't like and you're there with maybe with your spouse and they're thinking, I hope they don't say nothing. I hope they let that go, let that, let that go. And you know, you, you probably give a little soft love up there and then you're, well, let me talk about my life. Because just recently I was at a, I, I was at a table and a t topic came up and it was divisive and, and, and my wife was trying to give me all the warnings. You know, the couple of 
soft kicks and then the hard kicks. They were hard, baby. I got bruises. I got bruises. Um, anyway, she was like, just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. But you know, it's too tempting when you hear something coming out your family's mouth or your friend's mouth that's not just quite right. You got to get after it. Because I got to make it clear, you stand here and I stand there and I'm not focused on where we're united together. I'm focused on where we're divided and I want to pull you over to my side and you want to pull me over to your side. But none of us are coming to Christ's side. Because the table is dysfunctional. See, the way we, if you want a point for point one, the way we function is dysfunctional. But not the way he planned it. He didn't bring you to a table together so you could be divided. He brought you to a table together so that you could be united. And sometimes the reality that we could be divided keeps us from even coming to the table together. Now I'll get to that. Verse 19. Read. People are going to be different and they're going to think different. You, in fact, you, you don't think like the person next to you 100% of the time. But what we're trying to discern is who's thinking like Christ and who's not. The emphasis is not on your ideology and the way you think. It's on Christ's ideology and the way he thinks and why he brings us together. And it is never to, for division. When 1 Corinthians first started out, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, he said, I exhort you, I encourage you, I beg you that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment, that you speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. This is the type of table that God has where he wants no division, but it's so hard because I don't think like you and I don't like your political position I don't like your you know I like your ethnicity because I have to like your ethnicity but I don't like the things you eat I don't like the way you dress I don't like the accent of your voice I don't like your really mentality and so even though I'm going to be around you I'm not going to live with you but I'm not going to invite you to my table because there's too many differences Isn't it funny that we have more things in common as humans than we do difference, but we focus on the things that we are different about instead of the things that we're united in. It's not the way he planned it. But when the difference comes up, it's only to help us identify that there's a Christ's way of thinking that's functional, and there's a world way of thinking that's dysfunctional. Verse 22, read. And when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. But when you come together with that spirit of division, you're not coming to the Lord's table. You've changed the table. He cannot be the emphasis. He cannot be the focus because when he comes together, he routes out division. He doesn't want that type of thing. He said one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat in and get drunk in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. There's a comfort that we have in disunity, in factions. There's a comfort we have in our own opinion. 
that are independent of Christ. There's a way that we live and we call Christ to our table to conform to our thinking and our ways even though we're far from his functionality. It's one where we seemingly get together but we are divided instead of united. Christ's table unites and it doesn't divide. As we go on to verse 23, he begins to take us from what the dysfunction looks like to what a functional table is like. I want you to read verse 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often. For, for as often as you eat this bread. Here's Paul saying, here's what I received from the Lord and I'm delivering it to you. This table has a pattern. This table has a function. This table has a way. It did not come from man's wisdom. It actually came from God. God is clear about his patterns. He's clear about his processes. He's clear about how he wants a temple built. He's clear about how he wants a priest to deliver sacrifices. He's clear about how he wants us to pray. He always knows what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. The Lord's table is not a man-given idea. It's not, it's not us saying, here's how we want to worship or celebrate the Lord. He is giving us the way he wants us to do it. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus assembled a table on the night that his enemies would take him captive. Jesus assembled a table with the very person named Judas who would be the one who betrayed him, who had already struck a deal with his enemy, but he was yet sitting at the table with, them, with, with him saying, I know you're a devil from the beginning and what you're going to do, do quickly, but you still had a space at the table. Now, how is it that we cannot convene a table with an enemy if Christ can deem the table with a devil? It seems as if the only type of tables that we want to convene is just with our family, just with our four no more. Everybody who agrees with me, uh, thinks like me, and acts like me. But that's not the way the world or the kingdom works. He will call you to be at tables in fellowship with people who don't think like you. Yes, not everybody would betray you, but they won't all think like you. Then Jesus had a bunch of people at the table that were going to deny him and that were going to leave him after saying that they loved him. But he's yet at the table. See, in man's table, I can't sit with you. Yeah, I saw that email. I saw that post. I heard what you said. The gossip got back to me. I can't sit with you. You're my enemy. You're my adversary. I can't worship. I can't, I can't think. I can't go to the same church as you. But that's not Christ's table. Christ's table is inclusive. And it doesn't make any sense. Because I don't know why we would invite that person. Why are you coming to dinner? No, we don't want you to bring a dish. We don't know what's in your dish. How you cook? You might be poisoning me. Put some voodoo in that. No, we, you just come and then sit at the kid table. No, he wants us to bring everybody. The person you're uncertain about. 
But also at that table, he wasn't without love. You got to have some love at the table. John was at the table leaning on Jesus' breast. Every, he would say, oh, yeah, he would probably hear his amen corner. Jesus would say, so say, amen. You know somebody go flip and say, amen. You know they go deny me, amen. You know I love it. amen. He would amen at everything Jesus. You got to have that person at the table. Now, it irritates the people who are not the host. Why are they disagreeing with everything they say? You got to have them kind of fans. That just agree with you. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Somebody, some of y'all going to betray him. Mm-hmm. I got your back, Jesus. I'm sure at the table, he had to realize that his mission to bring everybody together. His mission to save the world. His giving of his earthly body, his living, his sinless life was all worth it at that table. See, at that table, I don't think he was thinking about all the people and what they had done wrong to him. I think he was thinking about what he was going to do right for them. Because I have a uh, often, you know, even though this same book of Corinthians will teach us how to love, you know how it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily provoked, it does not keep a record of wrongs. I, every time I read that, I want everything that scripture says, but I just don't do it. I got a record, I got stacked, I got volumes of what everybody do wrong to me. And every now and then for good reading, I just pull it out. Yep. On January 8th, 1982, they kicked me in my foot. My foot is swollen up. I got club foot even now. I've been, been walking with a little limp. I remember. I remember. I, 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 I was alive, Philip. I remember. I want you to know, I passed the fifth grade. But my mama fought in her wisdom that I should repeat the fifth grade that I passed. When I came to the table, I, I remember having to, uh, I'm still mad. No, I, I think I let it go. I think it's a little, well, let's throw on out there then. <laughs> the confessional. There are pains that we carry that we're reminded of. But when you come to the Lord's table, it's not to be reminded of, of what happened to you, it's what happened for you. I've got a blood that washes away every sin, cast them as far as the east fist from the west. I don't remember them anymore and I don't deal with you according to your sin. And if you accept the Lord's table, his good table, you'll move from dysfunction to function because now you have allowed me to work in you what I really wanted to do. But it's hard because the crazy people is at the table. People got guns and clubs under the table. They might post a picture that day that bothers me. Why didn't get my good side? See, he's trying. So remember, point number one was the way you function is dysfunctional. And not the way he planned it. However, he wants you to function within the dysfunctional situation. He's not crazy. He wants you to function. Now watch this. Verse 27 starts getting serious though. Because maybe you're sitting here like me and you, are read, you, read, you read the word but you don't apply it very fast to your life. 
Maybe you're like me and you, you hear what's right, but you still contemplate doing what is wrong. Y'all didn't say amen on that, so I'm going to say that again. You read what's right, but you contemplate doing what's wrong. Now, I can only preach that because it's what I do. I'm struggling through it. You've got to struggle through it. Verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Now, that'll scare you. For a person examine himself or test himself or or look at what your heart really is don't just look on the outside look at the inside then so eat the bread and drink the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died but if you judge yourselves truly or if you examine yourself truly we will not be judged But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. In other words, what the Lord is saying is, I'm not going to take your eternal life. Because you had not figured it all out. But you need to come to my table and examine whether I'm the focus or you're the focus. Whether, whether your enemy is the focus, whether the deniers are the focus, the wrong posters are the focus, your broken family situation is the focus, history is the focus, the government is the focus, or if Christ is the focus. And if you focus on all that stuff long enough, you just start getting weak. Weak people don't preach the word. Weak people don't have faith. Weak people just live a, 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 a almost life, a sometime life, a, 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 a broken Christian life. Weak people just get decrepit in their faith. And then if you're not taking advantage of your faith, you're not taking advantage of his promises. Now you're getting sick. He promised you wholeness. He promised you nothing missing, nothing bro- broken. He promised you to be well. Now you're getting sick. Why? Because you're not embracing the gospel promises. You're not embracing the gospel lifestyle. Some of you even die. You don't get it twisted. Again, I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but I am talking about you leaving the planet early just because you refuse to get in line with his table. And in his table is the most precious gift of all. It's the good news about who he is and what he's done. So guess what? You should do. If you hear this, you know what you, you'll say? You need to choose to function in the midst of this dysfunction or you'll become more dysfunctional. I don't get less dysfunctional when I hold on. You ever get in that argument and, you can, and your brain is telling you, just let it go, just let it go, just let that go, let that go. And you hold on to it anyway and then you get more dug in and that voice finally starts getting silent. Until your conscience is seared and you can say anything and do anything you want. Now you're just saying, but I'm going to tell you what I told you. Let me tell you what, oh, you're going to get loud. I'm not getting loud. Yes, you are. I got loud because you, you know, it just goes everywhere. You done messed up the family meal. It's happening right in front of the kids. Y'all kids, go to the room. You know what we need to do? Dave, join, Pastor Dave, Dave, join me on stage. 33 gives us what we should do, though. So then, my brothers, 
when you come together to eat, wait for one another. What is the scripture saying? You started out dysfunctional, but it wasn't what I planned. I want you to function within your dysfunction. I want you to choose to be functional in the midst of it so, so that you don't get more dysfunctional. But I'm convinced if I tell you the right thing, you'll do the right thing. He said, so what we need to do is embrace what he's done so we can become functional, spiritual, and natural family. What does that look like? The earlier verse, I think, go to verse 26. I skipped that verse on purpose. Some of y'all should say, you skipped 26. What did 26 say? He said, basically, when you proclaim, for as often as you eat this cup and drink this cup, Eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Communion preaches the gospel. Maybe your Thanksgiving meal should be a good old gospel preach. That's a little bit more than what are you thankful for. Just a little bit more. That's giving the solution to every dysfunction right at the table. That's generational healing at the table. That's reconciliation right at the table. Because if you really look into the perfect law of liberty, if you really look at the good news of what Jesus did, it causes you to look back to the cross and forward to the future. The cross said, you know, I solved your problem already. And, and, and then, then the future said, you know that, that I'm drinking, it, I'm eating this with you one time, but there's a time coming in Revelation where we're going to get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said, now, now ain't no more problems. You can practice that on earth. I'm telling you that you can live this holiday season different. Because you're not going to be upset about what the world, the world didn't become what you imagined it would be. Your family is not what you imagine. Your faith community is not what you imagine. It's not what you imagine. But is this all over because of that? It didn't come out like you wanted it to. And it seems like there's no hope for anything peaceful, but you got a table. And at that table, he said, no matter how bad it is, we're going to work it out right here. Come let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, we can make them white as snow. And I believe if, if I was just doing it in modern day vernacular, he grabbed that bread. Y'all may never be able to figure out all that I'm going through. But I'm going through it for you. I didn't stay in the comfort of heaven when I saw your broken life. I gave you my sinless life and and this will remind you that he was a very present help but he wants us to be present in other people's lives with the good news people with a different political view sin but need of one another do this remembering what he's done let's take the bread If one of the best gifts of home is the gift of table, this is the greatest table ever given. At that table on that night, the night he was betrayed, 
and Jesus convened the table Pastor James has been speaking about, one that united the divided, healed the broken, and reconciled those who were bitter. That's what this cup represents. His blood shed for us to accomplish all those things so that when we place Christ at the center of the table, all those things can be given to us. So on that night when he was betrayed, he took this cup and told us to drink of this cup, remembering that this is the cup of the new covenant, his blood shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of him. I want you to stand, but I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to get distracted just for a moment. We're ending the service, but I don't want you to get distracted.